0: the ERP implementation while the technology works perfectly, and they have perfect process maps, and they thought through all of this, if they don't focus on the people and the emotional response of those people, they don't get the results that they want.
1: Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the WTS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. There is always so much at stake with ERP implementations. One plus one is perhaps 11 when it comes to deploying ERP. They are never just technology deployment. The companies that promise the world to their teams based on the overstated claims from technology sales professionals might encounter varied emotional responses from their leaders leading to compliance culture. This culture often produces the exact opposite effect of what you intended to achieve with your technology. In today's episode, we have our guest, Amanda Pritcheska, who discusses how to prepare for change with large transformation projects and why continuous monitoring of emotional response is absolutely critical for the success of such projects. She also shares several stories related to emotional response and what she did to get these projects back on track and to bring positivity to the culture. Finally, she talks about what leaders need to do to identify the underlying symptoms of compliance culture and how to engage with vendors to help you manage this change. Let me introduce Amanda to you. An accomplished executive, Amanda Procheska is known for her extensive leadership, experience driving change. And her curiosity to always find ways to improve upon today's standards. From MGM to Kraft Heinz to Kellogg to ConAgra, these companies are just a small sampling of her Fortune 516-year journey in procurement and supply chain. She left corporate two years ago to become the Chief Wonder Officer at Wonder Services and the Chief Shimmer Officer at Global Women Procurement Professionals. Amanda's motivation is to help your existing internal leadership increase your ROI through effective adoption of change and uplift women in procurement in their careers. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, welcome to the show, Amanda.
0: Thank you so much, Sam, for having me. This is amazing. I can't wait to talk about the topic today.
2: And I'm so excited to talk about today's topic as well because ERP implementations can have far implications. And typically, nobody sees this from the culture perspective. So I'm super, super excited to jump on that topic. But before we do that, do you want to kick things off with your personal story and current focus?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So my personal story is one, I like to describe it as one of an adventure, a sense of wonder. You know, I've kind of meandered through my career But what grounded me in my 16 years in procurement was leading large scale transformation. So I started out in my first journey right out of school was implementing a new travel agency program, online booking tool, which was all the rage at the time, all the way through three SAP implementations, many Coupa implementations, Ariba, whatever in the procurement space. I was typically leading those large digital transformations, but then I was opening properties and and doing um, M&A integrations, which are a huge cultural impact. So what underpinned it all was this concept of change and how to lead change effectively and really what works and what doesn't work, work because I've had plenty of failures (laughs) along the way like okay yeah (laughs) everybody does if anybody is saying
2: that they have not had the challenges during ERP implementation they are lying in my opinion right Amanda oh
0: absolutely absolutely so what happened was my dream job at MGM and I built a team from scratch I was leading their STP transformation having a ton of fun and then I Got the opportunity to go out on my own, and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And this was about two and a half years ago. And really, in the back of my head, was I think I can help so many more people get through their change initiatives effectively, and not only get through them effectively, but actually have a positive impact on the culture as an outcome. Because that was the one thing that I, I felt was lacking was we would we would tell people hey, this is the technology change that's going on, and people would just kind of take it in the chin. Uh, Instead of looking at this as, okay, I have an opportunity not only to enable my organization with, let's, let's just say, a new technology, new ERP deployment, but let's actually take the opportunity to build engagement, build an innovation culture, So that's what I set out to do. And that's the mission that I'm on right now.
2: That's amazing. So obviously, it's going to be super, super exciting discussion, in my opinion. But before we do that, we have one of the standard questions that we ask all of our guests. And that is going to be, Amanda, Mm -hmm. what is your perspective on growth? What does growth mean to you?
0: Oh, my gosh. It's like the whole purpose why we're here on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it means to me. Like every single day. I, w- <laughs> I was on a call. I was on a clubhouse room the other day and they were talking about failing forward. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I fail in little ways every single day. But I'm okay with that because growth is all about reflecting on the world around you. Watching what other people are doing and saying that works, that doesn't work. And really every single engagement in my mind, like we're just interacting here today and with your audience is an opportunity to learn. So that's really what it's all about. And that's what drives me every single day is growing. And if I'm not growing, then I need to go do something else. Right. And growth is not always fun. Like going out and starting my own business. Oh my gosh. Not fun at times. Like there's been extreme highs, extreme lows but I want to trade it for the world because I'm growing every single day. So I love this question because we shouldn't be afraid of growth, but we also yeah. know, can also realize that growth is hard at times, right? It's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's hard. It's blood, sweat, and tears. It's energy that you have to put into it. But at the end of the day, it's so worth it.
2: Yeah. And this is what I tell everybody. If anybody thinks that Either growth is easy or digital transformation is easy or entrepreneurship is easy. They just don't know what they are talking about. <laughs> yes, yep. absolutely. So on that note, TV are going to have tons and tons of stories around the impact on the culture due to ERP implementation. So do you have any stories that you would like to share? The more you share, the more my audience is going to love it. We love stories around here, yes. Amanda.
0: I love telling them too. So can I actually start with a non ERP? This is actually a personal thing that just happened to me this week. So I'll start there because I think it sets the framework of what's going on in the macro picture of ERP. I mean, so the so, only
2: condition I have yes. is it should be touching one yes. of the emotions. Okay. It should be making us laugh. It should be making us cry. <laughs> okay. Or we just wonder or inspire. You Absolutely. know, that's the only condition that we have here.
0: All right. Perfect. So my daughter, she's Nine. Okay, so last week on Fridays, they don't have school, we, we homeschool them. And so they have Fridays off. And she was really super excited that day, because we were planning on taking her to the roller rink and uh, perhaps a movie. And she was going to do this with her sister. And she had these all these plans in her head. And by eight o'clock in the morning, all of those plans changed. Okay. They changed because her, uh, her sister had to be across town at a dance competition and we didn't plan effectively. Let's just, let's just yep. put it that way. So I literally crushed her dream. Like she came into my office and was sobbing. She was just totally distraught because yep. she thought she was going to be doing one thing. And in a matter of minutes, it changed.
3: Yep.
0: And her reaction was to cry. Other people's reactions, like the one that I had later on in the week, it was anger. Yeah. So I was invited on to a webinar and I was supposed to host a breakout session and that breakout session. So I was going to be on screen. So working from home, I had to like put on makeup and do my hair and get all ready. And I was highly prepared, really excited about the topic like just really amped up to talk about this and lead a conversation of women through the topic. So we get to the point of the breakout room and I get put in the wrong room. Oh, wow. And the other moderator in the room was like, well, I'm moderating this room. I don't know what you're doing here. And I was so mad, right? Because I thought I was going to be doing one thing. And now I'm not. And I did all of this preparation. I was super excited about it, and it just didn't turn out the way that I had hoped.
2: I would be. Mad and too.
0: so when I right, and so <laughs> I I actually called a friend and I said I am really mad about this right now. Give me perspective of how to manage this because I know it's not right to be mad, but yes. I am, and I just need to work through it. And her advice was call him back and ask for time one-on-one to do a webinar just with them about yep. the topic that you were passionate about. So that's what I did. And it worked out and we're getting on a schedule and it's actually going to be better than I think what it was to it uh, originally. So I share these stories because change, even in our personal lives, like when change of plans, change of expectations is hard. And there's yep. always an, an emotional response to it. And so when I think about ERP implementations, ERP implementations are big and hairy, right? They touch all kinds of people in the organizations. There's integration points that link people together that they're not used to. Now, all of a sudden, you're, sh- you're sharing metrics and you might have organizational changes that go on. In addition to just the technology one, and what I learned throughout my career is to never forget that emotional response.
3: Yep, I and agree. that's
0: why I think so many times the ERP implementations, while the technology works perfectly and they have perfect process maps and they thought through all of this, if they don't focus on the people. And the emotional response of those people—they don't get the results that they want. That's not (laughs) anymore, right? And I saw a post that you made today, and it was you reflecting on people, process, and technology for ERP implementations. And that, to me, and we put people first for a reason. But sometimes in the change management world, we start focusing on the technology and the technology changes and what people want need to do in the system. Versus having the honest and open conversations about the emotional response that they might be having to that.
3: Yeah. So, if you start
2: yeah. with the technology, then the emotional response is going to be pretty bad. That's what I can tell you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so I have a current situation going on and it impacts the sales team. Okay. Yeah. So they're moving from a process where they're getting, today, they're getting phone calls from their customers for orders. Yeah and tomorrow those orders are going to go through uh, e-commerce type of a solution, okay? Yep. So very, very interesting. And the salespeople are really excited about the change, right? They're they're like, yay, yep. finally, yep. e-commerce, right? Yep. But what's the emotional response though? Initially, we might be excited about something, but as we talked about at the very beginning, exactly, change is hard, it right? Is hard. It's, it is it's, hard, it is hard. If you're growing, it's hard. So initial response might be like, yay, I'm starting my own company. And then you dive into it two <laughs> days later and you're like, holy crap, it's hard, right? <laughs> so that is that is like the thing that we're concentrating on with these salespeople is like we don't want to leave a void. We don't yeah. want to leave that void of, okay, they're no longer contacting their customers the way that they used to. So What do we want them to do instead? Do we want them to proactively reach out to those customers and continue to build a different relationship with them? What are they going to do with their time? If they're not answering phone calls, what are they going to do instead? How are they going to feel about compensation? Is there going to be any compensation impact on this? And how are they going to really feel about that and react to it? And so even though they're excited, yay, about e-commerce, you have to think through that response. And we don't want to leave voids and we don't want to leave fears in people and, and acknowledge that they have those emotions and then figure out how to approach it and make them understand the big picture and then the small picture, the micro picture of how it is impacting them. At the end of the day, the conversation I wanted to have today around that cultural impact and how you can look at this as a, an amazing opportunity to engage your organization in a different way. Yep. So
2: I'm a big fan of emotional response-driven ERP implementations, and I'm actually going to steal that phrase from now on. Okay. So now <laughs> okay. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about the emotional response-driven engagements that you have done. And in some cases, I can almost guarantee this, Amanda when you get into the the erp implementation there are going to be some very strong emotional responses in terms of anger okay just because as you know mm-hmm. the changes are so tell us some stories where either you did something because somebody got angry and they got angry for a reason as you mentioned we need to acknowledge that right so tell us any story yeah. that you have where there was a real anger and then you had to manage that change through the process. And finally, I mean, there was some sort of excitement because any change is going to bring some positivity to the culture. So tell us some story where there was a real anger and you had to manage the situation. And then there was a positive change towards the end. They
3: understood. They appreciated. it.
0: Yeah. So I actually, I have two stories in mind. So one of my pet peeves, one of my biggest pet peeves are leaders who overpromise during these implementations. Yep. So you go out there and as a leader, you want this to work right you want it to have a positive impact but yep. there's also this kind of line that you can cross around over promising so often i'll go into different companies and they're like this is going to save world hunger and this is going to you know <laughs> like and the tool itself right like it's going to do all this stuff and i'm like let's pull back let's pull back that scenario and try to be authentic yep. right the authentic story is this is going to have Benefits and these are the benefits that we're expecting. But we also know that change is hard, and this is what you can expect on this journey. You can expect to have fears, you can expect to have those emotions. So that's the case that I'm usually walking into where you have someone who um, hasn't thought through that. And then it leaves organizations like one of my clients right now, where it leaves organizations not believing their leadership right? You do that. And then the next change, they're angry because they didn't see that tool saved world hunger. They start not believing what the leaders have to say. And so the next change comes around and what happens is they just were like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it, it leads to this compliance culture where I'm just now an order taker and I'm not thinking through how I can innovate now because of this technology or this change. I'm not looking at how I can collaborate with other people. I'm just waiting for leadership to tell me the next story that I'm not going to really believe anyway. And that's what I call the compliance culture. Like that yeah. is not what you want. That's the siloed. That is the, the, the people who are just waiting for the next shoe to drop. And ultimately, you are never going to get the results from your ERP implementation if you have a culture like that. And that's driven by fear. That's driven by anger. Yep. right. That is where those those in, and I feel for them. I, I've been there. Like I've done it to people, Sam. I I remember my <laughs> my one of my first implementations large p2p implementation by the way on
2: that point you are not the only one amanda we all have been there we all have done
0: it right (laughs) no and i reflect on it now and sam i'm like oh that was so not the right thing to do yeah it really wasn't yeah but i think it was a lack of perspective maybe but i was implementing p2p and promising that this was going to be a silver bullet (laughs) everyone and never talked about what it takes to get there
3: yep yep yep. just
0: talk about the the future state. Yeah. And it led to post implementation. What happened was you had people who were like, Well, are we really getting the results that we wanted? Right. And and they just started questioning, oh, this is a lot harder than we what what you the picture that you painted. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you don't want that type of response. You want to be transparent and open and and, exactly. and honest with people about how you bring them along on the change. So number one thing. If we can avoid that compliance culture and avoid over-promising and avoid just telling people what they have to do and expecting them to do it instead of understanding that emotional response, change would have such a better impact on the overall ROI that is expected within that ERP deployment. And then also have a positive impact on the overall engagement of the organization.
2: Yeah. And I could not agree more with that story. And especially, I'm super sensitive towards these buzzwords and these disruptive things. And as you know, Amanda, I do a lot of podcasts here, right? So I get a lot of Mm -hmm. guests and they tell me how their technology is so disruptive, so amazing. It's going to change the world. And I'm like, okay, get real. (laughs) Okay, tell me a real story. (laughs) If you don't want me to hang up on (laughs) you, tell me a real story. Be specific how it is going to help me or I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> and that is the only oh, time God. I hang up on people, to be honest, okay? Because I find this slightly disrespectful, in my opinion, when you say that, and, and you are absolutely right that, you know, you are really claiming that you are going to change the world, when you are actually not going to change the world, I can promise you that. <laughs> it's going to be really yeah. hard to change that world, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and especially, so right now, in one of, one of my engagements, I'm actually like the truth sayer. Because they're trying to select a technology, a P2P technology right now. And so they're getting sold to all day long by these salespeople. So they they listen to the salespeople and then they come to me and they're like, what's really real? Like yep. what's reality behind yeah. this? Because, yeah, because it's like the technology itself, without any of the people or the process changes or the organizational changes, the policy changes, without all of that happening, the technology is going to solve your problem. And it's like, uh, no, guys, like let's let's think about this differently. and yes, we can take we can understand where the salesperson's coming from. And they have an incentive to sell that technology, totally get it. But we have to have reality. And we have to know that this is much more than just a technology deployment. Yep.
2: Yeah. So, Amanda, let's talk about compliance culture a bit, right? So, in my experience, I think 90% of the organizations are probably going to have compliance culture. This goes back to the way the internal communication structure is set up, the way we communicate, let's say, the change or vision uh, of the organization. That's the state of the majority of the lifestyle businesses, in my experience, especially when you Mm -hmm. look at the manufacturing and distribution landscape. This is the reality. So what can you do? What specific strategies that you could use to change that compliance culture? you would experience.
0: So, we actually start maybe at a different spot than most people. And when you take a step back and the first question that we ask organizations is why are you doing this? And most of the time, Sam, just like you just said most of the time it's 90% compliance culture. Most yep. of the time the reaction that we get is everyone else is doing it. Yep. <laughs> why I are agree. you doing this? <laughs> because everyone else is doing it. And it's like, "No. <laughs> what specific problems are you trying to solve for in your organization? So we start there. We start about what, put the technology aside. What problems are you trying to solve for? Okay, yeah, period. Exactly. And we we talk to the organization. It's not just the leaders that get to talk about what problems we're solving. We go out and actually ask the people who are doing the work, what problems do you want solved by this initiative? And more importantly, Sam, we also ask the question, what don't you want changed? Yeah. Right? Because- some people, like I, I have one instance right now where we interviewed this individual. He's managing a, a, a very important team within the change initiative. And he actually said, I don't want anything to change. Yep.
3: I agree. Well,
0: <laughs> that's really important to know.
3: Yeah. Because
0: if he doesn't want anything to change, well, he's like number one resistor on my list of yep. we need to, we need to have a conversation about why he doesn't think anything needs to change. Is there a fear there? Is there a comfort? Level that he doesn't want to move from? Is he a couple of years from retirement and he just doesn't want to live through it again? I don't know, but we need to dive in there. So we start there, but then we also have a conversation with the leadership team about okay, this might be one of many changes or an ERP implementation. It could go on for many, many years. And there could be other things that are associated with that ERP implementation that need to happen. But if you don't connect all of those dots into a comprehensive story for everyone in the organization to follow along to, then it's just going to feel like you're one-offing people, right? So you, you don't want to have the situation where, hey, I'm doing an ERP implementation, but oh, by the way, to do that effectively, I need to deploy a new WMS. And I also need to change how I manage all of my master data. If you don't, if just those three things alone, if you don't connect all those dots for people, people will make their own stories. That's an emotional response. They will make their own conclusions. They will make their own story and then they will start sharing that with other people. So rather be proactive (laughs) (laughs) and, and have that collective story. So we spend a lot of time there and that's before the project. Most of the time it's before the project even kicks off, which people think about change management. Like it happens sometimes during blueprint and design. Okay. So that's, how we position ourselves differently to, to from the get-go, but one more important thing that I would highly recommend everyone to do is build an engagement team. And what I mean by that is across all levels of the organization, you assess who are your influencers, yep. who people trust, and they have maybe led change in the past, or maybe not, but they have the ear of people within the organization, you understand who those people are, again, at all levels of the organization, because you need that particularly middle management, because the people in middle management get for they're like the black hole of change. We do typically people have done a really good job at the leadership level and at the people who are doing the work level. But that middle management needs to be a focus. So you identify who's the influencer, who are advisors, they're not The people that are out there influencing others, but they have their ear to the heart of the culture. They have the ear to the heart of what where people are emotionally responding. And those people will return that information to you so you know what's going on, right? Then you also have your typical people like, hey, these are the people that do the work and they do it damn well and we need to involve them and here are the leaders that need to be involved because they're going to help influence at a different level. So we build out that kind of well-rounded team, and then we feed them different information throughout the process. For instance, we'll have talking points for certain people. We'll have formal presentations for other people. We'll have one-on-one casual conversations where needed to help um, within the organization. So that engagement team is so critical to make sure that we're understanding that emotional response within the organization yep. and that we can hear that and respond to it effectively. So, that, and when you do that, Sam, when I talk about engagement, when you do that, people feel heard, they feel appreciated, they feel understood. And then what they'll do is they'll start collaborating. They'll start innovating. They'll start leveraging the technology that you just deployed in different ways that you never even knew were possible because they were brought along with the change. And that's all underpinned by, gosh, it has to be authentic, right? That yep. <laughs> if you develop a story that connects all the dots, but it's not believable, yep. it's not going to go over very well. So that is what we, what. I love to do day in and day out. And what I love to see from a leadership perspective, Sam, is the light bulb starting to go off when you have these conversations. To are like, oh, OK, so I need <laughs> I need to have this collective story and I need to have a better answer than everyone else is doing it, which is it just fries me every single time. But that's really how you do it day in and day out.
3: Yeah,
2: so we are going to discuss the compliance culture from a different twist or perspective. Since, Amanda, you have been on many large engagements. Now you are a consultant. Obviously, you have done this Mm -hmm. with very large corporations uh, and you have hired the consultants, the the vendors as well. And let's look at things from the, the leader's perspective. Let's say if I'm the manufacturing executive, I'm the manufacturing CFO, right? I have had people in my organization for the last 20 years. And as you mentioned, everybody has their own fears. Everybody has their own aspirations. Everybody is driven by, by something, and that is their personal bias. And everybody has that. And yeah. If somebody says that, you know, <laughs> no, personal biases don't exist, and everybody is going to move to the organization, the personal biases need to be aligned to the organizational goals to be able to get the maximum or optimum output from these people but let's say if i am the manufacturing executive i have had these people for the last 20 years and obviously i trust them and that's the reason why they were with the organization for the last 20 years all of a sudden i am hiring a consultant or a vendor when he or she is promising me the world that i'm actually going to change the organization so obviously it is going to be very difficult for the consultant right and as a leader for me it is going to be very hard for me to trust this consultant whether he or she is right Mm -hmm. or my people are right and i'm even more confused now okay and then what i'm going to do is most likely what i'm going to do is i'm not going to listen to the consultant as You are, let's say, proposing the changes that, okay, I'm going to change the world. And then all of a sudden you get into that hard phase and things don't work out. And then what happens is the vendor that you hire or the consultant that you hire, he or she becomes compliant to the compliance consultant, right? This is the customer vendor scenario. He or she is going to lose the deal, let's say, if he questions your judgment. So then they are going to be compliant with what you are doing. So obviously, because of that, you are not going to get the results. So have you experienced this? If you have, what is your advice for the leadership?
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. So it happens all the time. So in my experience, I'll, I'll contrast two experiences actually. So I was uh, doing a system implementation and actually. It it was kind of an interesting situation, but I was coming in at kind of the end of it. And there was a third-party consultant, a system integrator who was helping us out on the project. And they were at a state where they were just taking orders. I was told that we were supposed to configure the system this way, or I was told that we needed to do it this way. And they weren't offering like a fresh perspective around, no, guys, this is really how you should do it. And don't go down that road, you need to turn left instead of right. But they were just reacting to what the client was asking them to do, because I think they were more motivated by trying to keep everyone calm and keeping that relationship going into the next project, versus truly trying to make a a positive impact on this particular project. So it happens all the time. The reverse of that, you also don't want to have a third party necessarily solely driving the boat either, right? Yeah. They, you don't want them to be the captain. So there has to be this nice balance of asking questions and iterating on things. So I'll give the example of what we did at MGM because I thought it what worked really well when I was still in the practitioner space. We actually had a, a third party on site for two years helping us with our sourcer pay transformation. And the way that we worked that relationship was that we had this really good banter of questioning. Um, and I think questions have such a powerful impact when it comes to this type of relationship. Yeah. They would question, I would question back, they would question again, and we would go around and around until we both felt comfortable with the solution that we were providing. It also, I would ask them like, this is what I feel, but what's best practice? What What could be the best thing that we could do? And then let's think about why that couldn't work for us. So that type of banter and iteration back and forth, I think, is very, very healthy. And it should be actually sought after in these types of relationships. Now, that's something that I've learned through my engagements now that I'm on the other side of the table. right? Yeah. I find myself as more of an, an advisor. Like I'll get on calls and just ask questions. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? What are you going to do about this? How are people going to react to that? And Typically, when you do that type of an, a line of questioning and an advice to put on that advisor hat, the leaders all of a sudden start having those light bulb moments and they come up with the conclusions that they believe are best through the line of questioning. And I'll continue to question if I don't think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I think, the, the way to get through that. I feel like I'm never really telling them what to do unless they particularly ask me for my opinion. And that my role is more about, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Why would that happen or, or how would they react? And, and I think that works very, very well.
2: Okay. Amazing, Amanda. This was a powerful conversation. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts by any chance?
0: So I would say if you are a leader facing change, which So many leaders are. I know in the procurement space, the average length of a CPO's term in role is three years. So if you can only imagine if your CPO is changing every three years, the strategy is changing, whatever is going on in your organization is changing at least every three years. So you are facing change day in and day out. So if you are one of those leaders, remember that people come first. There will be an emotional reaction and you need to understand what that is so that you can be effective in your change, that you can drive adoption and ROI, but that you can also have a positive legacy within your organization and bring your organization together and have that true engagement from your team. So that is my number one thing. Sam, if I can leave your audience with is that remember that the people really matter and understanding that emotional response is key.
2: Okay, amazing. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be any transformation, irrespective of whether it is ERP or any other large transformation. Don't lead with technology or solution, lead with emotional response. On that note, Amanda, I really want to thank you for your time. This was very fun conversation and super insightful.
0: Thank you so much for the opportunity, Sam. I cannot thank
2: our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Amanda or to meet Alice and learn more about how to become a change warrior, head over to wonderservices.net. It's wonderservice dot net. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Carol Marzouk from Leadership & Soul, who discusses how to uncover and correct lingering toxicity before it stunts your business growth. Also, the interview with Aaron Koss, CPA from Site Consulting Group, who brings a unique and fresh perspective on how to manage large transformation projects in an environment with unexpected disruptions. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar background. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast.